Welcome in hockey fans in the desert southwest. It is another episode, another edition of Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. I'm your host, Scott Strandy, live here in Scottsdale, Arizona, to be joined shortly by my co-host, Seth Askelson, in uh, North Phoenix. Um, We'll be talking a little hockey tonight. We'll be talking professional hockey, although there's no games going on at the moment. As you know, uh, we continue on with the uh, COVID-19, the coronavirus uh, pandemic that has struck all of the world and, you know, shut everything down, including sports. So uh, while there's not hockey being played, there is stuff to talk about. Um, you know, we'll get into a bunch of different things tonight. We've got a special guest joining us in uh, Tom Callahan, who's a longtime uh, play-by-play guy in NHL and AHL. So Tom will be joining us uh, closer to the top of the hour. But uh, Seth and I will bring you along and talk a little uh, Arizona Coyotes, uh, Vegas Golden Knights. And tonight we're going to touch a little bit on the Tucson Roadrunners, too, who uh, obviously have not been playing any games, but still things going on. Uh, players being signed um, in anticipation of next year and the uh, also the opportunity to hand out some awards. So we'll talk a little bit about that as I uh, wait for my co-host to join us. Um, we'll... Uh, We'll go from there, but right now uh, we're talking everything that is hockey. A couple of things I do want to mention today. We have one really nice anniversary to talk about. We have another not-so-nice anniversary, uh, the uh, terrible uh, bus crash in uh, Humboldt uh, in Canada. The uh, second anniversary today of that crash that killed 16 and injured another 13 or so more, and you know, really scattered and shattered the lives of uh, many hockey fans, uh, especially, you know, everybody around the world that's traveled in buses, right? They uh, they know what that's like. They know what that feeling's like. And to be taken away so tragically, so many young men, it's, uh, it's a very sad day. But they have persevered. They've uh, built their way out. We recommend that everybody put a hockey stick out again tonight for them as they did the uh, right after the bus crash. It's just a little salute to the Humboldt Broncos. So, if you've got a hockey stick new, get it outside the door tonight and uh, salute the uh, the players, the survivors, and uh, let's honor those that perished that day um, in Western or Central Canada, I should say. In addition to that, it's also the fourth anniversary of the uh, opening of T-Mobile Arena in Vegas. And for those of us that cover hockey, uh, I don't think we any of us thought that there was going to be hockey in Vegas, at least to this extent. And not only did T-Mobile open uh, four years ago today, but it hosted a uh, Stanley Cup final in its first season as the uh, home of the Vegas Golden Knights. It's also hosted UNLV a few times and played some games there. It's hosted, I believe, three uh, NCAA tournaments uh, over its uh, short tenure. But uh, T-Mobile, what a fantastic place. So congratulations to Vegas. Uh, I know it's shut down right now, but it'll be back. And it'll come back and uh, be a very vital part of that uh, Vegas landscape at T-Mobile Arena. So 
lots of things to talk about. As I mentioned, uh, the uh, Tucson Roadrunners have lots of things going on as well. They just named uh, today their uh, Man of the Year, which went to Hudson Fashing for all of his work on and off the ice, but you know, making trips to children's hospitals and, and doing all kinds of things for charity. Um, really great to see that because hockey is so much more than time on the ice. It's actually time where you can actually uh, get out and share things with the community. And, and so many hockey teams are involved in that. It, it goes under the radar so many times because they don't do it for the uh, notoriety. They do it to, uh, to help people. And, uh, you know, in this day and age and what we're going through now with the COVID-19, it's, it's great to see everybody giving back. And you talk about uh, owners, especially in professional sports, they make a lot of money. They give a lot of uh, notoriety for what they do. But they also throw throw back into the community, and you know nothing's more important to the owners than to uh, be a part of their community and and be a part of their fans as well. So we um, look forward to that. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about some of the things that are going on, some of the proposals that's been tossed around out there, and we get Tom Callahan on a little later in the show. We'll uh, we'll be able to visit with Tom and uh, get his thoughts because. He's been through it, the voice of the Nashville Predators for a number of years, and, of course, now in Tucson, and he was uh, previously the voice of the uh, Tucson Roadrunners for their opening years. So we'll get Tom's feelings on that. He also has a great uh, show on Twitch, uh, Twitch TV, called Talking Puck, and you'll want to listen into that every Sunday night, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. It, it uh, or I'm sorry, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. Pacific. You can get uh, Talking Puck on Twitch. So lots of things happening out there as I wait for my uh, my co-host Seth Askelson to join us. I'll continue to tell you a little bit about uh, what's going on in the hockey world. And like I said, everything's come to a standstill. But um, as we uh, try to fight this virus as a country, a lot of uh, hockey people are talking about possibilities of maybe coming back. What would they do? Would they play uh, in, in arenas without fans? Um, we really don't know at this point, so I believe my co-host has joined in. Seth Askelson, how are you this evening? Good, Scott. How about yourself? I'm doing as well as can be expected, Seth. I was just uh, telling the audience a little bit about uh, the things that are going on. Uh, today is a uh, it's a strange day, Seth, because it's the uh, anniversary, the second anniversary of the uh, bus crash up in uh, Humboldt. Uh, Manitoba area of Canada, but on the flip side of it, there's also a very satisfying day for the desert Southwest because this is the uh, fourth anniversary of the opening of T-Mobile arena. So, you know, it's really mixed emotions. And then when you look at what we're going through as a country right now and, and fighting this uh, COVID-19 uh, coronavirus, it's, uh, it's different. Yeah, it is. And I think it's one of those things where, uh, you know, you could probably go through any day in history and and pick out, a you know, some wild thing in terms of like hockey history. Right. I'm sure there's a, a couple of days you can go through and say, wow, all these interesting things happened. I mean, in terms of relative to us, it's like you said, you know, uh, the entire hockey community felt the impact of uh, the Humboldt uh, Broncos tragedy and, and accident. And then. Um, for Vegas, I mean, really not only a pivotal moment for the NHL, but for hockey in, in the desert Southwest. And I also think it really helps, you know, give a merit that hockey does work in the desert, right? Like 
I think that was one of those things that had always been, you know, tagged to the Coyotes, right? Is oh, hockey doesn't work in the desert. How can you make it work? Well, it works in Vegas. Why can't it work in Arizona? So, um, yeah, kind of a, a strange day compacted with everything else. I mean, today was supposed to be the first day of the playoffs, too. It's just yeah. such a strange day. It really is. And like I said, everything is on hold right now, but we still hear talk, Seth, about uh, proposals with the NHL and the NHLPA talking about different things. And, and and you don't know what's true and what's not true and how premature it is, whether it's realistic. But, uh, you know, talk now about maybe going to uh, less populated areas. I heard the story circulating in the last couple of days about maybe playing hockey games at the Ralph Engelstead Arena in Grand Forks, North Dakota, of all places. Just your thoughts on uh, what you're hearing rumor-wise. Yeah. I haven't seen anything too crazy. I think um, saw the MLB from a couple different sources saying they might do spring training in, um, you know, Arizona sites. Um, and when it comes to the NHL, um, something that throws a big wrench in in terms of playing in home cities. I mean, the city of Toronto said no public events till pretty much July first uh, until June thirtieth. That's when their, um, you know, ban on big public events is pushed back. Um, and I think that. Uh, it's going to be hard. It really is going to be hard. And I, I think another thing with that is, okay, so you go to some neutral sites, you go up to North Dakota and, and all this, you know, if public travel and, and public groups are banned, it's going to be really hard to do that. Right. Like if you say, okay, well, you're really still not supposed to be in, in more groups of more than 500 people. Well, you think about it, right. Okay. You're in that arena and two NHL teams with their coaching staffs, their training staffs, their, um, equipment staffs, their broadcasters, their communications department, their social media, and you're going to have teams in and out and potentially all of those team staffs, you know, four at a time in an arena, if not more. It's so hard to think that way, right? Like to think that it's going to work and people are going to feel safe. People aren't going to feel safe for a long time in big groups. And um, I just don't, I don't know how you do it to where it's fan friendly. And again, it's not necessarily all about the fans, but look, so, okay. So, right. You have, you know, the team staffs and, and the radio, and then you have big TV crews and you got to hire people to run TV stuff. And then all of a sudden you got, you got a couple thousand people walking in and out of a building, right? Like it, it, you even got to right. hire security and lights people and production. Like, I think it's just in to do that. I think, you know, when they say, oh, you can't be in groups of more than 10 people. Well, that doesn't, you know what I mean? Or, oh, you can't be in, in groups of more than 500 people. Well, you know, it's not, it's more than that, right? Like there's, it includes the staffs. It includes who's involved. And um, I just find it really hard to, for them to be able to do that. Yeah, I would agree with you 100%. It's, uh, like I said, I throw it out there because you hear the rumors circulating and you go like, you know, what, what's real and what isn't? I mean, I just heard last night on the news that uh, the, the governor of California is saying there might not be uh, any NFL football played this calendar year in the state of California. So if you're not going to play football, <laughs> which is, doesn't even start, you know, until training camps in late July and August, um, you know, how are you going to start putting hockey together? I mean, it's just, it's just a really weird time. And, and I think, you know, like you think it's, a, it's just going to be impossible for it to happen. And I think until we've got 
a lead on some sort of uh, vaccine or or treatment for this. Uh, it's just it's just sadly going to be one of those things that's going to have to be put on hold, just like everything is right now, right? Yeah, I just don't know until you get the word that okay, this isn't you know I I don't think it'll ever be like oh this isn't going to spread as quickly, but until you get it down and and get that immunity and things like that, I just think that um, there's nothing you can really do about it, right? Like you're at the will of of nature, and um, I think that I just I'm just not sure. I just don't know what what to think in terms of what's ahead, right? Like Cal- like California said, right? They're uh, their governor said, yeah, we're not probably not going to have football. And uh, I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but I think that's the reality, especially in a state like California, where there's a lot of people and, and a lot of travel. I mean, you think about it. I know you, you want to give people hope and, and you want to give them something to look forward to, but you can't give them a false sense of hope. I mean, if California isn't going to have football, there's almost no chance New York has football, right? Like they're, they're maybe <laughs> oh, the right. biggest hotspot in not only are they the biggest hotspot in the United States, at, at least at the moment, but they have two football teams that where all their players and all their staff live in New York, and then they travel into New Jersey to go to work. Like, I just don't know. You know like I said, if California doesn't have it, New York doesn't have it, and then all of a sudden you're starting to get into these neutral site games and travel. And, you know, I, I get for professional teams, it might be a little bit easier. They get to use the um, – they get to use the the private jets and things like that. So it might make travel feel a little more safer, but still it's just, it's an airborne virus. You're flying through the air. You're going into these different airports, no matter what. And, um, just, uh, just interesting. It's, I just don't know logistically how this works out, um, and still be safe in terms of health. Absolutely correct. Well, like I said, uh, Seth, we do have, uh, Tom Callahan going to join us a little later on today. Uh, in the program, maybe between the 8 and 8.15 part of the uh, program. Uh, we'll have Tom on, and we can visit and get his thoughts. He's uh, been the former voice of uh, the Nashville Predators and, of course, the Tucson Roadrunners. So Tom uh, knows an awful lot about the logistics of it, and I think it'll be kind of fun just to plug him for some information. Let's take a quick break, uh, Seth. We'll come back after uh, a couple of messages here, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about the Tucson Roadrunners and where they were when everything came to a halt and and what they look like um, when things resume, whenever that might be. So let's take one quick break and we'll be right back. Behind the Mask Hockey Shop, celebrating 25 years of exceptional service to the Arizona hockey community, offering the top brands and an educated staff of hockey players to help you choose the right gear for you. Visit any one of our three Valley locations or check us out online at BehindTheMask.com. Pre-game like a pro, post-game like a champion at College Bar and Grill. Located across the street from the iconic A Mountain and Sun Devil Stadium and a quick walk from Wells Fargo Arena, College Bar and Grill is your home for the best local craft beer, delicious creative cocktails, tasty food, and Tempe's best atmosphere for Arizona State Athletics. College Bar and Grill. Pre-game like a pro, post-game like a champion. Online at ilovecollege.co. Your hometown hockey team, your Western Collegiate Hockey League champions, your Arizona Wildcats. Tickets for Arizona hockey are now on 
sale. Support your Wildcats as they battle ASU for another Cactus Cup championship and more at the Tucson Arena. Your hockey team, your Arizona Wildcats. Call 791-4101 for tickets now. All right, and we're back. Uh, Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy here live in Scottsdale, Arizona. Seth Askelson joining me, uh, I believe, from your home over in uh, North Phoenix. Is that correct, Seth? Yeah, the North Phoenix, Glendale area. Uh, by, postal code, by postal code, it's a Glendale address, but it's uh, Phoenix Services and Phoenix Boundaries. So kind of one of those weird, you know, just shows how weird kind of <laughs> each city is zoned out in in the state of Arizona, but uh, that's where I'm at. I hear you. So uh, we're under the statewide governor-ordered uh, stay-at-home, uh, unless you're an essential worker or an essential uh, business or whatever that may be. Um, so we're, we're tucked away. We're, we're safe at the moment. Uh, my co-host on College Hockey Southwest Weekly, uh, Paul Hornstein, has recovered from his illness. Thankfully, he was tested. It was not COVID-19 because... He lives out on Long Island in New York, and as we said earlier, that is a hot spot. So glad to hear that Paul is feeling better and back up with things. And, you know, the other thing I want to shout out before we jump into the Roadrunners here, uh, Seth, is all the businesses that are hanging in there and, and doing everything they can, whether it be donating meals or or uh, hockey teams donating money and, and blood drives and all of those different things going on. But you really see the best in people right now. And, you know, I'm kind of enjoying this thing because I'm not seeing uh, a lot of tragic stories going on or where people are, you know, shooting each other like they do every other day, it seems like, or or whatever. It seems like people are trying to work through this. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's one of those things where, you know, you, you stay at home, you take care of your own first and then handle whatever you need to handle afterwards. And again, I'm not like, promoting you go out and, and kill somebody or you know anything like that but it's one of those things where look it's a time you don't worry about anybody else you worry about your family make sure everything's safe and you kind of put everything else on the back burner for now and um so yeah i, I think it's tough and it, you know I, I feel like um a lot of people you know i know people who still work in the medical industry and and i worked at, at a grocery store for about five six years so i still keep in contact with people that work at grocery stores and you know, I think for a lot of those people who are considered the essential workers, uh, they just don't have the time or the energy, right? It's been increased hours, increased stress, um, you know, and I think some of the stores are starting to recover. I went to Winco about three-ish weeks ago, and milk was completely out, like nothing in the back. It was wiped, and I went there this week, and obviously, they've, you know, a lot of stores have started to put limits on what you can take, but um, I think that stores are starting to finally recover a little bit again obviously the nurses and and, and the people the doctors who are truly risking their lives uh, being in direct contact with this disease um, are working hard so i think it's you know for those people who um, are privileged enough to stay at home and and can stay at home it's you know make sure me and my family are safe and enjoy the time with with my family and for those who either have family members or themselves work in in those high-risk essential jobs uh, type things that it's about making sure, you know, they stay safe. So uh, there really just hasn't been a lot of time to, you know, go out and, and party. And, and I think part of that is, you know, you, you go out and 
you know, maybe you have a, a tough night out on the bar and, and somebody looks at you the wrong way and then you get in a fight. Well, there's none of that happening anymore, right? Like, I think a, a lot of right. times, especially when people go out, things get taken the wrong way, especially when you've had a, a few alcoholic drinks and um, things like that can flare up. So, again, I think it's, you know, uh, less temptation around and, and a lot less, um, you know, I think a lot more focused on just staying safe and getting through this now before returning to anything else. All right. As I mentioned, we're going to talk a little bit about Tucson Roadrunners because we don't spend enough time uh, discussing them. And, you know, as I look at their standings, when everything came to a halt uh, three, four weeks ago now, uh, the Roadrunners had played 58 games. They had 36 wins, 19 losses, uh, one overtime loss, and two uh, shootout losses for 75 points and first place in the Pacific Division of the uh, American Hockey League. They were holding the three-point lead over the Colorado Eagles. And as we know, the, uh, the Roadrunners, being the, uh, the minor league affiliate of the, of the Coyotes, uh, a lot of the players that you see, you've either seen at training camp or you've seen them come up or down. Um, so just your thoughts on the Roadrunners and just how good a season they were having and how far do you think they could have gone, Seth, based on uh, what you, you know from where they ended the season? I think they could have gone a long way. I think um, they stay at the top a long time. And it was one of those weird things where, um, you know, two years ago when they went to the playoffs, they pretty much had a full roster and, and had a lot of guys that could, you know, that came down after the Coyote season ended. The Coyotes got up to that horrid start um, in that 2017 season. Rick, or uh, Yeah, the 2017-18 season, Rick Tockett's first year. Um and so they had a lot of firepower down there still and, and were able to send a guy like Christian Fisher down to play some in that playoff series, and, and they ended up beating San Jose and then um, ended up bowing out to Texas. But this team this year is a little more incredible. I think they're uh, a little more depleted in terms of, you know, the Coyotes were pulling guys up and down and, and things like that, and, um, you know, they lost their, their starting goaltender, right, Aiden Hill, who's arguably – you know, depending on what team you put them on, say maybe like a Detroit or um, some of those teams in Ottawa, could be a starting NHL goalie. And so um, I think it was incredible the way they've handled it. And it wasn't like Aiden Hill went up for one or two games. He was gone for a good chunk of time. And I um, think it was very incredible the way they handled it. Uh, I, but it helps to have guys, a guy like Aaron Ness, who's played in the AHL and, and some NHL games, and, and a guy like Bo Bennett, who has won a Stanley cup, even though he didn't get his name on the cup. And, and he said in the past, you know, that that wasn't an issue. He still has that experience. He played uh, one playoff game um, in the Penguins 2016 Stanley cup run um, did end up lifting the cup at the end of uh, the year in San Jose. Uh, didn't get his name on it. And he said he was okay with that, but you know, having that guy there who's, had such an interesting career. He was a first round pick and a lot of guys thought he was going to be the, this next breakout star, especially on a team like the Penguins who just develops guys left and right. I mean, you could probably put me in the Pittsburgh Penguin system and I would be a a competent (laughs) NHL hockey player. And um, you know, it, he just had a a slew of injuries and and had a hard time staying healthy and was kind of bounced around and hasn't really been, been able to find himself in a, a solid role at the NHL level at age 28. So the Coyotes pick him up. And I mean, he would have been, that's the weird thing for the Coyotes is they haven't had a ton of, of forward injuries, right? Like sure. Barry right. was on the shelf for a little bit and 
and a guy like Michael Grabner and Brad Richardson were kind of banked up a little bit, but it wasn't like the the level that they were at, you know, the season prior. And I think part of that was they brought in Bo Bennett and it seemed like, okay, you know, if we need forward help, we have a guy who's played championship level hockey, who knows Rick Tockett, who's, you know, played for Rick Tockett in, in Pittsburgh. Um, and surprisingly, they haven't need, needed him. And so he's, I feel like he's been a pretty good uh, mentor for some of those younger guys down there. And um, so I think that was a team that was a little more poised to make a deeper run. I think uh, that team from two years ago in uh, 2018, I think were a lot of those guys had their eye on the NHL, right? Not that that their hearts were in the series necessarily, but a lot of guys that kind of understood, okay, this is probably my last hurrah in the AHL. I'm going to go to the NHL and um, not a ton of, I would say super older experience on that team. I think, you know, if you look back on that team, it felt like a lot of the, a lot of their big guys were, you know, 19, 20 years old, where your top defenseman um, is, is Aaron Ness, who's had a lot of good experience. And even Kyle Capobianco um, has played a lot in the NH, a lot in terms of for his age in the NHL and, and a guy like Bo Bennett, who's won a Stanley cup. So um, I thought they had a, a pretty good shot to go deep, but um the Colorado Eagles, man, they could, you know, the Roadrunners looked like they were going to run away with it, you know, the, the division, and and the Colorado Eagles would not let them go. They just kept hanging on and, and pulling and tugging, and and those battles were pretty intense uh, between those two teams this year. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, one thing we know is that the, uh, the AHL is growing and becoming very competitive out West, a, a lot like the NHL is becoming competitive out West, I mean, uh, now we're going to add a team in, in Vegas or Henderson, and that's going to be a competitive team, no doubt, because that's just the way Vegas builds their rosters, any way you look at it. And then soon we're going to have a team uh, a year, year and a half from now when things get fired up in Palm Springs. So, I mean, the West is going to have some really, really good hockey. I always tell people, if you want to see some really good hockey up close for a very affordable price, Get down and watch some AHL hockey because you got guys that are hungry to get to the uh, NHL level, and they compete, and you're able to see them right up against the glass for 25 bucks or something like that. It's just, it's just insane that uh, uh, the pricing and like this year, you know, we just look at the goaltenders from that played in Tucson. Uh, Auntie Ronta and Darcy Kemper both played a game down there, so uh, you know. I mean, that's uh, something you don't get to see in, in Tucson, Arizona very often. Yeah, and I think another thing with the AHL and as it relates to uh, Tucson and the Coyotes is that I, I think back in the day, it used to be kind of seen as a death sentence if you got sent to the American Hockey League, right? Like if you were right, a first-round yeah. pick and, and you didn't immediately contribute, like there were some worries and are you going to, you know, are you really going to make it? I think now that has really changed, right? Like, I think you look at uh, the Coyotes are a great example. Christian Fisher, uh, uh, Lawson Krause. Con- Connor Garland. Kyle Capobianco. Connor Garland is a great example, right? Like, And I think, you know, the Coyotes are, are a good example, but I think when you see around the league just how many guys w- can play in the AHL and and how much it's a developmental league, right? Like, it's, it's no longer, a, oh, you got sent to the minors and – figure out on your own there are that's another benefit of having this team so close is you can keep a close eye on these guys you can you know steve sullivan i always see steve sullivan you know in the um 
in the press box at Coyotes games. And, and you know, he works really close to uh, the Tucson Roadrunners down there. So, you know, when, when you can have your basically your AHL GM come up and watch your guys in the pros and, and talk to John Chica and, and understand, okay, you know, they can point out, is this what you're looking for in this style of player? And is this the system you want them to play? You know, instead of having to, you know, watch a game on TV and, and try to communicate via text, uh, they can take notes right next to each other. And then, you know, Steve Sullivan can take the two hour drive and be at practice the next day and, and deliver that information. So, um, yeah, like you said, uh, it's growing out West and it's really helping because a lot of teams can keep a close eye and, and have a better development on, on some of those younger players. And you know what? It, it shows in the points too, Seth. When you look, the Roadrunners uh, ended their season with 75 points. The Eagles had 72 the uh, Stockton Heat had 68, San Diego Gulf 68, so the Ontario Reign 64. So there you go, one, two, three, four, five teams within 11 points of each other uh, when the season abruptly came to a close. But um, it, you know that just tells you how competitive it is. And we've talked about this before in the past about by having your uh, AHL franchise close, that allows you to uh, cut down a lot of costs as well as cut down a lot of uh, travel time. And I think that that plays in, in the performance of the AHL players too. I think they get a chance to practice some. They get a chance to, uh, if they do go up to the NHL club, they still are able to get back to the AHL club if that's where they end up without spending a lot of time on the road and, and maybe some mental losses in their, you know, going with the travel part of it and all that. So I think that's becoming a really big thing and a really important thing as far as the competitiveness as well. Yeah, it, and again, it's we've talked about it, I'm pretty sure, the last three weeks on this show. It's just so much easier. You can call a guy up in two hours. And um, I remember listening to Brian Burke uh, talk on Sportsnet in Toronto, and he's just like, yeah, it's – you know, he they were talking about the American Hockey League, and he's and he's pretty much said the same thing that we did, right? Like, he's like, look, if you wanted to call a guy up, you know, you had an, an injury and and you needed somebody, so, you know, he's like, look, it's gonna be two weeks or two weeks, it's gonna be like a day or two before he gets in and is able to play. Uh, that's a little bit different now, right? Now you can call a guy in Tucson, and oh, we're going to, you know, hey, we need somebody right now, come up, and all it takes is you know, a two hour drive, pretty much uh, an extended lunch break to get somebody up and potentially into the lineup uh, by the time, by the time the game starts. So yeah, it, it's not only look, you can keep a close eye and, and really play well um, and, and really get that information quickly to, and not even necessarily quickly, but just more effectively to the, the farm team, but also, you know, you're able to, um, call a guy up if needed or if a guy's playing like really well you can say hey come play you know come up here and, and play a couple games you know instead of all right we're gonna have you play the next game and maybe he cools off by then you know if somebody's on fire you can call them up you know and and like i said it only takes two hours and you know they can bring some of that uh some of that heat with them absolutely well, speaking of heat, let's take a quick break. Let's uh, let's come back again, and we'll talk a little bit of the signings that continue to go on in the NHL, at least uh, players uh, agreeing to terms. So we'll be right back in just a minute or two. Hey, Michael here from M-Drive. One of my favorite memories is mountain biking with my dad. 
barreling through the woods at full speed, bike tires bouncing off rocks. That was 25 years ago. What's crazy is today at 60, dad still does that. You know, he really made M-Drive for himself. He wanted an everyday supplement that would fuel his drive. Yes, M-Drive supports healthy testosterone, but it's so much more. He built M-Drive to support the body, building strength and energy from the inside out. We take M-Drive every day to fuel our drive with more energy and more strength. I think it's amazing what dad built and amazing what he can still do today. In a lot of ways, he's still the guy from 25 years ago, and he's not slowing down. Listen, we'd love for you to try M-Drive too. It's available at Walgreens, Walmart, GNC, Vitamin Shop, or visit mdriveformen.com and we'll give you 20% off your first purchase. Just use the code DRIVE at checkout. Don't let your age beat you. You find your prime with M-Drive. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No, stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by offensive ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. Hi everybody, this is Jay from OxyPal. You probably know our products for being used on your gear to eliminate the odor and bacteria from your sports gear and, and your gym and all that stuff. Um, in, in light of current events, uh, we have uh, switched up and added a new product to our production line. It's called our Have a Nice Day Hand Sanitizer. Um, it is exclusively for use on your skin, whereas our other uh, products have been exclusively for use on your fabrics and, and, and gear. Uh, this product is available here at my shop. It's available on my website at www.oxypow.com. And you can pick it up or we can ship it to you anywhere in the United States. All right. And we're back. Seth Askelson joining me from uh, Phoenix, Glendale, Arizona, where we're uh, we're under a state-ordered, governor-ordered, statewide, uh, stay-inside order. Um, it, it's strange, Seth, because, uh, y you know, you get out occasionally to go to the grocery store or wherever you have to go, and you look around, and the traffic's not the same. But, um, but the weather is still gorgeous. I mean, this is probably the hardest part of the year to be inside. Yeah, it is, especially in Arizona, right? I think a lot of places around the country... Maybe getting uh, April, maybe just a tad late, but uh, maybe getting their last uh, little dust of snow. Um, this is the time you'll see a lot of early season MLB games get uh, sleeted out. You know that kind of nasty slush rain. In some of the you know more northern and uh, northern parts of the country. So for Arizona, it's tough. Uh, maybe not so tough for some of the other parts of the country, but definitely uh, in this gorgeous state, uh, the absolute worst time to be stuck inside. Absolutely. And, you know, like I was mentioning before we went to break, when you talk about, uh, you know, what's going on in the NHL and, and you look around last week, we had a, uh, a signing at ASU of a, uh, or an agreement of terms. I can't say signing yet, but agreement of terms for uh, ASU Sun Devil, Brinson Pashnak, who signed a, a two-year deal or agreed to a two-year deal with uh, San Jose Sharks. But, 
Coyotes have been busy as well, uh, picking up some players or, or doing some different things. So you got any updates for us? I know there was a big one today with a goaltender uh, who signed an entry-level contract. Yeah, David Tendek, who um, I thought was pretty good um, in the rookie camp. I've had a, a couple chance, chances to see him. Um, and it's one of those things where uh, you and I talked about, you know, why did they let Hunter Miska go? And, and Hunter Miska has had a, a decent season um, with, uh, with the Colorado Eagles, funny enough, but um, clearly they felt really comfortable with what they had in the pipeline. You take a look at David Tendick's numbers, um, his save percentage. So he's played one, two, three, four, five, six years for the Vancouver Giants uh, of the Western Hockey League. In his last four seasons, he has had a save percentage over 900, over 910 to be exact, 912, 911, 920, and 920. And he's had, um, actually, sorry, five seasons here on Hockey DB. They accidentally duplicated his line. So in five seasons, correction, in the last three, he hasn't had a save percentage below 910. Um, this season alone, he's played uh, 2017 minutes. Obviously, the, um, the season got cut short for uh, the WHL. So in a, in a season that got cut short, he nearly played the same amount of minutes as he did the year before. Um, 229 goals against average, a 920 save percentage. He was 18, 13, and 2. Uh, the year prior, he was 24, 10, and 1. Uh, played in 17 playoff games as well um, for the Vancouver Giants. So uh, a guy who's who's won at at the junior level and has had, has a lot of experience. Um, and, and the Coyotes are hoping that uh, it will change or it will uh, transition, should I say, into the program game. And again, uh, this is a guy, a six-round pick in 2018. Prior to John Chica taking over, um, I believe there was at one point there was not a player on the roster that was drafted by the team outside of the first round. So all of the players on the team were not drafted by the Coyotes in the first round. So. Um, and, and when you talk about Stanley Cup teams, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, again, uh, are such a good example. Those, you know, A lot of their key players and a lot of their role players are guys that they drafted in, in the mid to later rounds. And I think that's where you're starting to see a change with John Chica, right? Connor Garland, um, who before John Chica took over full time, he got to make one pick um, when he was still along with Don Maloney. And that was his pick, Connor Garland, and that's turned out well. A guy like David Tendek. Um, you know, I mean, you look at some of the guys on the team right now, uh, Christian Dvorak, uh, Christian Fisher. Uh, so the Coyotes are starting to get really good at, of finding these these later round guys. And, you know, you, you can never have enough goaltending, right? Like, I think if you ask a team like the San Jose Sharks, uh, you can never have an, enough goaltending. So uh, it was a great signing. Uh, you know, obviously it was going to get done at some point. And, and the Coyotes, for the first time uh, in what feels like ages, have had to play some cap gymnastics a little bit. Uh, but... Uh, it looks like they're setting themselves up pretty good for the future. Yeah. And, you know, in addition to the signings, I really like what both the Coyotes and the Golden Knights have done as far as, uh, you know, providing people a little bit of feel with this uh, virtual games that they've been playing. And, and they went as far the other night to having a virtual um, fan appreciation night. And what they've been doing on top of that is, if they win the virtual game or score goals at the appropriate time, they've been uh, their sponsors have been honoring. I know Taco Bell was giving away tacos the other night, 
and I, I know the uh, college beer, uh, college, uh, cold beers and cheeseburgers was giving away, uh, or not giving away, but discounting their cheeseburgers as part of their deal. And, and of course, uh, Dickie's Barbecue Pit was doing the, uh, the free sandwich uh, with the purchase of, uh, of an item as well. So that's really cool to keep the interest, but just your thoughts on how long can we keep the interest and, and should we try to keep the interest or, or should we just kind of let things go a little bit and start preparing for next year and hope that we can get off to a good start? Well, uh, first off, you almost said uh, college bar and grill and uh, <laughs> yeah, I wish they were, uh, they would give away some of their, some of the, their, their wings in terms of a Coyotes promotion, but I know uh, the great folks over there are definitely not going to um, allow their great food to get out that easily. But um, look, when you're in sports and you have, uh, this goes for every team, you have a time in your season where nobody comes to your arena for say three, four months at minimum, right? Like training can't right. start till September. You know, they don't, the, the Coyotes don't always necessarily hold their prospect camp at Gila River Arena. You got to find a way to keep your fans engaged. So yes, that's absolutely perfect what I think they're doing. Another thing I just thought of, the Coyotes were supposed to hold the, the prospect showcase this year. That's tough for them. Oh, and yes. if you remember the Coyotes were supposed to host, host the all-star game in 2006. Um, that got washed away to the Olympics and they they have not gotten that back, and and it sure feels like it's going to be a long time before they do. And now they're losing a prospect showcase. That's tough. And again, I think I think that one's going to be a little bit easier to get back, right? I think uh, teams like to come to Arizona, even though it's going to be uh, face of the earth uh, type hot. <laughs> I think you know it's a, a good way to to get exposure. And you know, I'm not too worried that they won't get the their pro you know the prospect camp and the the prospect uh, showcase back um but it's just another one of those things where look it was a great opportunity to engage your fans right you look at the nba they do their summer league in las vegas uh, yeah sure vegas is a great trip and all but some people you know they can't afford a trip to vegas to go see the suns and you know what's a better way to say yeah look the suns are up in las vegas for summer league Hey, we're right around the corner and it's free. You can come watch summer hockey. Look, it's a great way to get a fan base and a city involved in your team, see what the future looks like. So that's another tough thing. So yeah, you got to find a way to keep your team engaged. You got to keep your, uh, you got to keep your fan base engaged. And I think they're doing a perfect job, right? I think the Cardinals are always going to have their fan base. Um, I think the D-backs have done a really great job of keeping their <coughs> fan base intact when they're losing their season. They're losing a majority of their content right now. Um, but, and again, I don't necessarily like harping on the Suns in this case, but I think sometimes the Suns just aren't, don't necessarily keep their fans as engaged. And I know with um, the, the NHL, a lot of their, you know, a lot of their teams um, are doing those simulations and the Suns are doing it as well. But um, I just feel that the, the Sun or the, the coyotes are doing a, a way better job of, of keeping people engaged and, and keep keeping people wanting to pay attention to their brand. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you want to know how engaging they were. They even got Bob Heathouse to jump on a, a zoom, uh, uh, with, uh, uh, who am I thinking? Tyson Nash, right? Paul Bissonette and, uh, Maddie. 
had uh, a little bit of everybody on there. And when you can get uh, Bob Heathouse to join in on social media uh, from a brand new house too, he just moved. So it, it was uh, a lot of fun to see the heater on there and hopefully we can get him involved and get him uh, a little more active on social media. Cause I think people really love to hear some of the things he has to say. Oh, I, I, it's a guy who's done coyotes hockey and, and he's had a lot of, you know, he's done it alone for a long time, and he's had two color commentators that have not worked out perfectly, right? When he had Nick Boynton, Nick Boynton, we've, um, everybody knows, knows his struggles, and it's good to see him in a really good place now. But um, we had, when he had his incident in Buffalo, he was taken off the radio. Um, you know, Paul Bissonnette was also uh, dismissed from road games, um, after what was deemed an, an inappropriate comments um, during a broadcast at one point. So, you know, it, it's been hard to get Heat House um, a, um, a, a color commentator consistently. Right now, Biz does Arizona game. You know, he does home games, so that's really helpful. And I think Biz is fantastic. Um, sees the game, you know, for a guy who's known – as an enforcer and, you know, a guy who only fought, you know, quote unquote, I think he sees the game really well and he does a great job as an analyst. Um, but, you know, Bob Heathouse has to do half the season at, at minimum by himself. And <coughs> I, you know, I've, I've had to do GCU games by myself before. It is hard. It is hard to stay engaged for a full 60 minutes. And he is, uh, he's my idol. He really is. I mean, and, and, um, you know, I've, t- I've had the privilege of talking to him a couple times and, and Bob Heathouse is such a nice guy and, um, a guy who had, uh, I believe it was, um, you know, a, a guy who has just been fantastic. Um, I think in the Arizona radio community and everybody recognizes his voice and, um, at least those who listen to Coyotes games, I think if you saw him in person, you would never, you would never guess, right? Like you would never guess that was him. Uh, but he's such a nice guy and, um, we need to find a way to get him on the show here. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, think yeah, I was just going to bring that up. So, he would provide great insight. I was just going to bring that up, Seth. I've tried to get him on several times. I, I sat down with him uh, in Vegas a couple of years ago for the uh, the rookie tournament and uh, rookie showcase, and I I kept saying, Bob, I really want to sit down and do an interview with you. He goes, Oh, I'm not interesting. I wouldn't be any good. Do do somebody else. And I'm like, No, oh, I, I I really want to talk to you because you have so much insight. So he's very modest. Uh, he, he, Like I said, he's been prodded a little bit now by the Coyotes organization, I think, to uh, get on social media and do some things. I know they were kind of joking with him uh, the last couple of days about what, what would be his uh, Twitter handle if he uh, jumped on Twitter. So uh, it, it's, you know, Matt McConnell does a great job of, of pushing him a little bit. And maybe we'll get, we'll get Heater on uh, sometime down the road. That'd be, like you say, a great, great chance to visit. Let's take one more quick break and see if we can hook up with uh, Tom Callahan. I know he's uh, coming home, and it's always difficult because of the road construction down in the Tucson area. It's still going on. You wouldn't think so with everything else being shut down, but let's take a quick break, Seth. We'll come back, and if we have Tom, we'll get him on. If we don't, you and I will wrap up another edition of uh, Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. At the heart of any good cocktail is the quality of the spirit used. And if you want to make the best margaritas, or if you just want a straight shot of the best tasting tequila, then Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila is the brand for you. 
Award-winning Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails. Whether you're celebrating an overtime game winner with friends or relaxing by the pool after a long work day. Find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S. Visit us at MexicanMoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila. Award-winning taste since 2011. All right, our uh, friends over, Roger Klein at Mexican Moonshine, Cancion Tequila with the name change coming up. And, of course, Roger and, uh, and his group, the uh, Peacemakers, has uh, provided us with some great bumper music to uh, open and close our show. So we appreciate Roger Klein and everybody over there at the, uh, the distillery, I guess, the tequila distillery. I was telling uh, somebody the other day, I said, if there was ever a time that you needed a bottle of tequila, it might be right now. Yeah, it is. Well, you got to find a, a way to keep yourself entertained, right? I think uh, it's one of those <laughs> things where uh, I think people are starting to dip in the bottle a little bit. And, um, you know, obviously I can't promote drinking on here um, unless it's Roger Klein, of course. And, of course, unless <laughs> you're 21 years of age or older. But um, I'm sure if I was able to uh, get my hands on a couple bot bottles of uh, Roger Klein, I'm sure uh, I would have to go back to the store for more in, uh, in just a quick bit. You know, I'm also going to tell you that right now uh, we just got a shipment in today of our uh, summer skates. So I've got a pair that will be coming over to you shortly. They just came in tonight. I've got mine on, the most comfortable footwear for uh, in the house, uh, around. And uh, uh, shout out to the guys at Summer Skates. They did such an incredible job with our logo, getting them on. And if you haven't wore these folks, you need to. If you want to get some with the uh, IcetimeHockeySW.com logo on it, we'd be happy to get you that. Our friends over at Summer Skates uh, in the future are going to be providing us with uh, not only some giveaways, uh, they do some great NHL and AHL player numbers, so you can get your uh, favorite Coyotes player or uh, maybe even a Roadrunner player if you'd like, or Vegas Golden Knight player. I mean, you get some choices. So a big shout-out to the guys at Summer Skates for getting stuff to us quickly up in uh, Toronto and getting it through customs and getting it down here very fast, so. I know you're looking forward to getting a pair of those on as well as I was. Oh, yeah. Um, if it was acceptable to wear them in the press box, uh, I would. But um, <laughs> I'm sure uh, we get some funny looks. You know, you always want to represent and, and show off your, your sponsors. So, like you said, uh, it's for summer only. And uh, maybe, that's, maybe that's what's for the prospect camp, right? Maybe a little more casual. And if it ever, um, if it ever comes back and, and it goes full go, you know, maybe we could uh, talk to to Greg Dillard and see if he'd allow uh, summer skates in the press box uh, just for the just for the uh, prospect <laughs> showcase. Yeah, wouldn't that be cool? Um, you know, as we talk about all the different things going on right now, we talk about what's happening with uh, with the NHL, and I want to get your opinion on on what's been happening with EA Sports and the, those uh, virtual games and some of the times that uh, you've seen some of the game action and and the players. Players kind of have a good time, uh, not only with their ratings, but also with uh, playing the game itself, don't they? Yeah, I think it, it, it shows not only a, a human element, but I think it also shows what what generation we're in, right? I think, say, five, six years ago, a lot of guys were still getting ripped on for, oh, you know, you play video games, and, and a lot of the old guard, or, you know, some of the older players – you know, never really played video games. Well, now you've got guys, you know, a guy like Mitch Marner, who's 
been in the league, you know, crazy to think about, but he's been in the league for four or five years now. Uh, a guy who's on Twitch a lot and, and plays a lot of video games. And I think it's, it's a good way to connect with kids, right? I think uh, the, the issue the MLB is having is they're having a hard time trying to get that younger generation to watch. The NHL is doing a great job, right? I mean, it's not hard. It's a fast-paced game with a lot of excitement. And uh, I think the diversity is growing in terms of cultures and, and backgrounds and things of that nature. It definitely needs work um, after, after what we saw with the uh, Keandre Miller incident. Um, last Friday. Um, so the diversity definitely needs to get better in terms of, you know, different cultures and ages and backgrounds. But I think it's on somewhat of a right path and, and showing these guys playing video games and being themselves and, and cracking jokes and laughing is kind of shows that human side. I think a lot, especially in the 90s, early 2000 or the 90s, 2000s and, and really seeping into the early 2010s. I think uh, a lot of times it was you know, the model hockey players, this guy who just comes in and, and doesn't say anything and gives the right answers and, you know, all these all these canned answers. And sure, that's nice for a team that's, you know, trying to win a Stanley Cup and, and you know, wants to keep things tight. But, you know, a guy like P.K. Subban, who's out there, right, and, and gets criticized a lot. You know, I talk to a lot of people um, who don't watch a lot of hockey. They know who P.K. Subban is. They know who yeah. he is because he puts himself out there. That's what the NHL needs. They need guys to go out there, put their names out there, be up front, and I think it's great. I think it's great getting these guys involved because it, it not only shows the personalities, but it also shows, okay, hey, look, you know, my dad might be, you know, if you're a 10-year-old kid, oh, my dad always gives me a hard time, you know, saying if you play video games, you'll never make the NHL win. You know, Mitch Marner, who's getting paid $10 million a year, is playing video games. I think it, you know, it, it shows the younger generation, hey, you know, video, you know, you can play video games and, and we're interested in the same things that you are. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and we talk about the video game part of it and they've gotten so realistic now. I mean, I'm going to show my age now from way back when I tried to play video games and I say tried because I wasn't very successful at it. But uh, now things are so realistic in the video game world that you can actually have an awful lot of fun doing it. Um, you know, and the players like it, and like you said, it's a, it's a way to show their personality. I saw uh, just the other day that uh, our own Arizona boy in Austin Matthews was on a uh, a podcast, I think, or video podcast with uh, with Justin Bieber. Well, that's really saying something. Yeah, and it's it's really gaining this attention, right? And I, I look, I get it. People think Justin Bieber is this you know pop star that you know soft and, and whatever, but that's what this game needs. They need these big celebrities to go out and, and go to games. And the NHL, if, if they want to grow, and I think, you know, people at the top, you know, in the commissioner's office that work at the league office and, you know, mar you know marketing directors of these teams, I think a lot of these teams understand, like, look, we got to get some of these big celebrities. And even if it's cringy, you know, it, it gets these people involved. When they added Snoop Dogg to the NHL video game this year, and, and a lot of the times he'll pop up as a guest commentator in the second period of whatever game you may happen to be playing. And, and a lot of people, you know, that have watched hockey for a long time and grew up on hockey said, oh, that's stupid. Why would you have him in there? That might be the most recognizable name in rap music, right. especially to some of the younger generation. I think it's amazing. I think it's amazing that they bring him in there. You know, it's a different it's a different background. It's a different culture. It's it's a guy who, you know, uh, who's a 
a, a guy who's a person of color, right? I think that's a, a big thing you see on Twitter is the NHL, you know, doesn't do a, a good enough job of getting people of color and, and people that aren't white into the sport of hockey. Having a guy like Snoop Dogg who is, you know, friends and, and you know, used to hang out at USC football practices back in the heyday of, of Trojan football and, you know, it's always around basketball events. To bring that guy into hockey and to get him into your video game, he's not in the NBA 2K game. He's not in Madden. He's not in MLB The Show. No, he is in an NHL video game. Rap legend Snoop Dogg is in your sports video game and your sports video game alone this year. That's something to hang your hat on, and, and that's something I want to see continue um, in the next year. Absolutely. Well, I think we have Tom, Tom Callahan joining us. Tom, are you with us? I am here. How are you, my friend? I know you've had a busy day and fighting that uh, road construction to make it back home, but thanks for joining uh, Seth and I tonight. Uh, how are things in Tucson, Arizona? Uh, surprisingly more active than I thought they'd be, but, you know, only half of the city is burrowed underground at this point. Um, you know, Scott, it's, it's interesting. Um, I mean, you know, life in so many ways has ground to a halt here. And I understand, you know, people are seeking normalcy, but by the same token, I'm one of the people who does still have to go to work. Um, and <laughs> you know, it's a little like, I'm, I don't want to, you know, catch anything or, or have to deal with this or, or what have you. And it's just, it's kind of, it gets a little frustrating for me to see the people I don't think are taking this as seriously as I think they should, to be quite honest with you. Um, and you know, it's, it's interesting. I don't know if you've talked about this. I apologize. I missed the first part of the show, obviously. Uh, but you know, it, it was telling to me when, uh, you know, president Trump has a conference call with all of the commissioners of the major sports in the United States or North America, even. And he said, I'd like to see the NFL resume as normal and start up in September. And the NFL kind of balked at that. Um, that tells me all you need to know about where the outside perspective and sports and um, probably society in general is or should be. Uh, the fact that the NFL isn't sure it's going to get going by September 6th, to me, that's, you know, bye-bye every season that was going on, NBA, NHL, etc. Um, you know, it just, I, I, I think, look, if sports is recognizing this, even though they're not really saying it, um, you know, there's a lot more going on out there than I think we realize. And, and that's kind of, I don't know. That's just where my thoughts are at this point. I've kind of hijacked the conversation with that, but yeah, that's where, that's where I'm at. I hear you. Well, you know, Tom, I had told Seth and I told the audience, I said, one of the things that I wanted to get you on for again was to get your perspective because you've seen the inner workings of the NHL and the AHL for so many years. And your insight is so valuable on that. And you know, you always want to try to provide hope. And we were talking earlier about how the, the the teams are, you know, trying to stay and keep their fan bases engaged. But then on the other hand, you see stuff going on like, uh, you know, arenas pulling the ice out. And you look at the calendar and you look at what's going on with the, with the COVID-19 virus and how we really don't have a handle on it yet, much less a cure for it or a vaccine for it. So, just your thoughts again on on what this is really like to the to the sports world, the hockey world. So you know, I'm not surprised to hear arenas pulling ice out, Scott, because ice is expensive to keep in, uh, especially as the weather gets warmer in a lot of places. It requires maintenance. 
Uh, and ice can be put back in fairly quickly. I mean, four days, you've got a painted sheet, you're ready to go again. There's no point in keeping that sheet there because one, even if you do have an event on it, there'll be no crowds. And two, you're not having the event. Um, so that's not a big deal. Uh, honestly, uh, that's, that's, I mean, they pull it out for the circus in the middle of the season in some arenas and throw it right back in. So, um, th from that perspective, I understand where they're starting to cut costs and, and obviously the game night workers, some teams are trying to do right by those people and, and pick them up and pay them people who counted on that. Um, I myself am also a big freelancer and lost out on a lot of potential gigs this spring with the loss of things like spring training, the rest of the NBA season, the rest of the NHL season, um, you know, and other things that were going on. I was, I was slated to call the ACHA men's hockey tournament as well. You know, that's, that's gone. Um, so it's affecting, so think about that for just a moment. We'll just talk about it in terms of the ACHA men's tournament uh, and women's tournament. So you had D1, 2, and 3 that were all coming to Frisco, Texas. Think of the hundreds of people involved, support staff and everybody else involved, not only with the arena and concessions and maintaining everything there, but all the hotel workers, the restaurant workers, and then everybody on those teams and their families and, you know, everything that the airlines that had the flights canceled that would have carried these teams in. Like, this is a massive ripple effect from one tournament, but it was a big tournament. That is what's going on in the world of sports right now. And I think a lot of people are trying to figure out, um, you know, what is next. And right now in hockey, I understand the NHL wants to play. So does the NBA. Everybody wants to play. We all want this thing to just hurry up and go away, quite honestly. Um, but I don't believe that's going to be the reality. Now, the NHL, I am quite certain, has a schedule or at least somewhat of a schedule in place because they did ask buildings to submit building availability all the way through the end of August, which is when they would probably finish their regular season if they resume. Playoff dates would go into September, and then they'd hand out the cup in probably the middle of October or early October, take a month off, and then start the season again. Um, so I know they're prepared for that. They've already bumped the draft and everything else. Uh, but I would tell you this, if the NHL decides sooner rather than later, and I'm sure the NBA will have to lead on this because they've led on everything else, but if they do uh, can this season, which to me seems the likely event, you could actually replace your free agency and draft dates at July 1st, uh, July 5th, have everything kind of go back. The award show, eh, you might end up doing that virtually, but the NFL is doing a virtual draft, uh, you know, and they're proceeding with business as usual. Their free agency period was business as usual because we can do so much online like we're doing right now. Um, I, I think that's probably the, the smartest and safest thing to go. Questions arise now for even Seattle coming in, not this, but next year. If you take away 10 to 15 games, per player, that's going to affect some guy's eligibility for the expansion draft. Do those games get prorated? It's going to affect contract eligibility. It's going to affect uh, eligibility for players as far as their uh, being vested in the Players Association and, and being able to get uh, credit for that time that maybe they would have played, maybe not. I think they'll end up prorating the games that these guys would have missed. Um, but there's so much, so much at play. And you know, you, you ask about, hey, what's going on in a typical NHL office? It's all that and more. Um, there's no sales, but you would like to keep your sales staff. Um, 
you know, you're not going to be able to if this continues. I mean, you know, you can only pay so much for so long before you begin to furlough or lay off employees. And that's where we're all at. So if we're into a down economy, there's no tickets being sold, no corporate being sold, no income for those people. That's, again, another ripple effect that's going out. So there's a lot at play, a lot at play. The NHL wants to come back and play. They all do. Um, I just don't think they, they'll be able to pull it off. Okay, two quick questions for you, and then I'll see if Seth's got something he wants to throw at you before we let you go. But um, my, my question for you is we're seeing signings. Like you and I both saw Brinson Pashnik of Arizona State sign there or come to terms uh, agreement, I should say, without actually signing yet. And all these players are coming to terms from the uh, NCAA and, and one of the questions that was asked Brinson in the press conference was, you know, did you get a two or three year contract? And he stopped for a minute and he said, I'm 22. So I got a two year contract, but how is it affecting those guys that, uh, that are coming out from NCAA programs right now? And you touched on it a little bit, but it, you know, you've seen those guys before and how important is it or is it important for them to, to sign now or should they wait or, what, what would be the protocol? It really depends on the player's situation. Um, if some guys feel good about where they're going to go, where they will be able to play, um, and they feel it's the organization for them, there's no harm in signing because you won't start burning a year on that entry-level deal until next year. Uh, and so as we're looking ahead... So a guy like Pashnuk, if he ends up playing, let's say, in the American Hockey League or wherever next year, I believe that, you know, that's the, the time starts ticking on that contract. There's no, at this point, for a guy who's never played in the league and is coming out of either college or junior, there's no reason to not sign. Um, you know, unless you believe that things might play out in your favor by waiting. And that's something you, you would have to have your agent advise you on. There's no reason to not sign right now. Now the, the thing that's going to be complex as we talked about before is free agency. Um, to a certain extent, actually, I think it's, it can be to your advantage to put your name on a depth chart before going through the free agency in the draft, um, knowing that you might be slotted into a position somewhere. Could work uh, in the reverse, though, too. I don't anticipate the Sharks going out and signing three defensemen who are NHL-caliber defensemen, but what if they do? Um, right. you know, now, if you're Brinson Pashnuk, you just slid three spots down that depth chart. So, um, you know, it really depends what your feel is with the organization and what spot you believe you belong in the contract won't kick in until next year anyway um so there's nothing gained or lost at this point you're not you wouldn't be paid until the regular season starts whether it starts on time starts in november starts in december um so i think you know you just have to weigh your options carefully uh and remember that this is affecting absolutely everybody right now the ahl the echl all those leagues will follow suit with what the NHL does. And that's, that's the direction it's going to take. Uh, I, I tend to think for your entry level deal though, you would want to sign on with an organization while they have that need, get your name on that list. And especially in Pashnik's case, it's two years, not three. 
Um, then he'll be 24 and on his way to being an RFA. That's not a bad place to be. Absolutely. Seth, you got something for Tom you want to get out there? Yeah, I have a, a couple of things. If, if you have a little bit of time, Tom, first, um, in terms of what will happen, you know, with the remainder of this season and seasons beyond, uh, you had said, uh, you know, you had heard and I had heard the same thing about, you know, come back, finish the season in August, you know, September, whatever it may be, when they finally finish, take the month off, start the next season. To me, I think that's one of those things where the players union, and I think rightfully so, would kind of shoot that down. You know, these guys have to get back, play the playoffs to only have a month off to recover, you know, from the most intense games of, maybe your entire life and then get back into the regular season. Do you see any sort of hurdles uh, when it comes to the players union saying, Hey, we can't just take one month off for the sake of money. Like we're going to have to have a little bit longer of a, of a time off than just one month. If we're coming back and finishing this 2019, 2020 season. Uh, there, you can argue things both ways. Um, the players association, I think is infuriating to me from a standpoint of I would love to see them actually back their players up a little more than they do, especially when it comes to things like player safety. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of a weird organization, but when you talk about guys coming back, um, if you're the PA, you're looking at things like hockey related revenue. Um, and you want that in there. You want all of the money possible in hockey related revenue because that uh, ties in directly to the cap and then the money that comes to your members. Um, but you also, you know, your constituency, odds are, wants to play if you're, if you're the NHLPA. The guys want to play the games. Uh, for the most part, they want to be out there. There may be some teams, and, and this is where the convincing has to take place. Okay, Ottawa Senators. Why do you come back? Why do you have a training camp to play 12 meaningless games and then sit down for a month and then come back and do it again? You probably don't want to, to be honest with you. If you can get your, again, your time in uh, towards your vesting with the Players Association and those players, you know, what, what do they have? And that's why they floated the idea of the draft pick tournament a little bit earlier on. If you're in the playoffs, how do you determine who's in the playoffs? Everybody's played a different amount of games. To me, I guess win percentage is the fairest way to do it, like the AHL does. Um, you know, but are you just going to start those teams in the playoffs? Do you have exhibition games? I think you would have to. Connor McDavid said you just can't jump into the playoffs. Uh, and he was very vocal about that when asked. He said, no, we'd have to have some kind of ramp up besides a training camp before we just drop into the first round series. And I agree with him. Um, so that's where. You know, if you're the PA, you will get some pushback from teams that go, well, why should I come back? What's in it for me? The players have already been paid their regular season contracts all the way through. Their last paycheck was due last week. They got that. And so unless you're playing for playoff share, there's no more money to be had. Um, and, and if you're playing for the Stanley Cup, odds are you're going to want to come back. If you were to come back for 10, 12 games that don't mean much, unless maybe you're playing for a contract, but even so, um, how much of a difference do those games make? That's going to be the internal tug of war for the Players Association to determine when they try to figure out a balance to coming back, which is why I believe it's another impediment to coming back. Um, figuring this situation out is really, really dicey. And I think at the end of the day, um, health concerns aside, I don't think there is an answer that makes everybody happy 
to resume the season. I think that's another reason why you nod towards canceling it and starting fresh in the fall if you're able to start on time. All right, then, Tom, that was... Yeah, I, go ahead, Seth. Go sorry, ahead, follow it yeah, up. And I agree with you, Tom. I, I agree. I think that, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of hurdles there. And like you said, I think a lot of players are under the agreement that, yeah, you can't just have a training camp and then jump into the playoffs. Like, I think finishing the season is almost that ramp up to the playoffs. But then, like you said, a team like Detroit and Ottawa, who are clearly out of it, what do they have to play for? Are there maybe contracts and pride? So we'll see. And then real quick before we wrap up, um, I you know, you're in Tucson, and I'm sure you pay attention to the Roadrunners and um, – you know, that team from 2018, um, you got a, a chance to watch a lot. And um, Scott and I talked about this earlier. I think this year's Tucson Roadrunners team was a little bit different. Um, they had some older guys who had found some success at the NHL level, level particularly Bo Bennett. Um, what did you think of this year's Tucson Roadrunners team, and, and how far did you think they, they would advance? And, and what is the difference this season versus what they were uh, when they made the playoffs two seasons ago? You know, I think that this team shows, first of all, the depth that the Coyotes have and the promise of the future for the Coyotes, which is why, just to talk about them for a minute, this Taylor Hall thing is going to be big, um, whether or not they can get him to stay. And, you know, we, we talked about other situations for guys. Okay, what about a Taylor Hall type situation where, you know, you want to talk contract with this guy, but a Coyotes playoff run would have made a huge difference, you would think. Uh, and showing Taylor Hall one way or the other which way he thinks the team is going. That, again, we talk about the trickle-down effect of the American Hockey League. Um, this year's Roadrunners team, I had a chance to see them a couple of times uh, you know, live, and, and what I really noticed about them that I think is a little different is the work ethic um, just felt different this year. Uh, you know, they they not that they don't have talent, but I just feel like um, Coach Verity is is a guy who who says, "All right, come to work, bring your lunch pail, bring your hard hat, and and bust your butt." And I think that that to me that makes a huge difference in a team. As if you're willing to to work for, you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't have the motor, I don't think you go anywhere. Um, and you know there were some injuries and some situations this year where they went into little skids. Um, because guys were moving up and down. But the other thing is the system, I think, is so interchangeable. They can slide guys in and out. Um, and I think that was really, really good for just the, the mobility within the organization, but also, um, you know, keeping things consistent down here. So, you know, and especially a goaltender. I mean, obviously, Aiden Hill spent a, a good amount of time up top and, you know, the way they play that system in front of their goaltender, not that the goaltender doesn't matter, he, he does, but I feel like they did a good job of being able to protect their own net. Um, they just had a good feel about him this year. Special teams has always been a little bit of a bugaboo for the Roadrunners, especially the early years. They just, it seems like the power play would disappear at the worst times. Um, and of course, we'll never know what would have happened in the playoffs this year, but I just felt like they had more of a handle on those things. And I mean, as far as how far they would have went, um, unless you're out here, I don't think anybody realizes how tough the Pacific Division in the American Hockey League is. It is a really, really tough division. Um, you know, the Roadrunners were on top, but that doesn't mean that they couldn't have, have caught any team that made it in um, and, and had their hands full. I think they would have went a couple of rounds at the very least. 
could they have been the Western Conference representative in the Calder Cup? Absolutely. Um, but, you know, if they, they you know, went six or seven and lost in the second round, would that surprise me? Not really, just because of how deep and how difficult it is uh, to get out of the West. All right. I'm going to wrap it up for you, Tom, with uh, I just want to get your feelings. As Seth and I opened the show tonight about talking about uh, there's so many rumors now about the NHL talking about playing in empty arenas and, and going to places like Grand Forks, North Dakota, and playing at, at uh, the Ralph Engelstead Arena and different places. Is that realistic? I mean, really, you've been through this uh, these leagues a while, but is that really realistic, and could that happen? Uh, it's realistic from a standpoint of can you conceive of it and could it happen? Well, yeah. Um, it absolutely could. And the thing for me that I think that really kind of scares teams off is the whole, what happens if one player gets it and four teams are quarantined together or eight teams are quarantined together. Um, when a guy gets a flu on the bus, it goes rifling through the bus or on the plane or in the team hotel or in the locker room when you're at home. So it's a germ tube. It's an incubator. You can't tell me that if one guy got it and everybody says, well, they'd be locked down, everything would be limited. It's like, well, you still need to bring food in. You still need to get people in there. You still need to do all these different things that I, I think a lot of people don't consider. Um, you know, guys still need treatment. Well, that treatment equipment has to come from the outside and yeah, you get sterilize it and all that. And, you know, sometimes your, your team doctors are going to come and go, your massage therapist is going to come and go. And, you know, it's, there's so much, especially in the food handling in there. Um, I don't know. I just, I think you need to err on the side of caution because heaven forbid you lose an athlete who is either permanently disabled or dies from something like this. And we're, people are dying. I mean, this is not yeah, a joke. No and so I, I would not, I would never take that risk. If you put it in my hand, Scott, I would, I would never, ever take that risk. Very well said. I don't think we could end it any better. Uh, Tom, thanks so much for joining us as always. Uh, your insight is invaluable, and we always appreciate having you. Be safe down in Tucson, and uh, let's hope they give you a little time off pretty soon because, you know what, it's, uh, it's a statewide stay at home, right? I, I say the same thing because, you know, I do a few things uh, on the side, and, and, you know, I'm considered an, an essential as well, and I can't believe it, but um, be safe, okay? Absolutely, Scott, and I appreciate that. I'll tell you what's weird. Um, is that, uh, I mean, radio is first responders, <laughs> you know, yeah. so working in radio, right. we're considered first responders and, and, you know, I go in and I'm part of the reason the station keeps running and, you know, we're a public entity to keep broadcasting and updating people and keeping that news out there. And so, um, you know, it's, I, I mean, on one hand, I'm grateful to still have some sort of income, even though it's part time now, but, uh, you know, on the other hand, be nice if I could work from home, but that's just not the cards. So I appreciate it, Scott. As always, I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, let's, let's definitely catch up again soon. Will do. All right. That's Tom Callahan. The, uh, the voice of, of reason in the NHL, I call it because he's been around, he's seen it all. And uh, Seth, we went a little long tonight, but well worth it. So uh, 
have a good week. Stay safe. And uh, you and I will catch up again next Monday. Uh, we do have a special guest I haven't told you about yet, but Hiroki Wakabayashi is going to be joining us. He's just been named the uh, Rocky Mountain USA Hockey Goaltender Development Instructor, I believe. Or We'll get the full deal, but you, you also know about Hiroki. He's handled some uh, personal issues uh, dealing with uh, a very serious blood cancer. So uh, Hiroki wanted to come on, and uh, we're, we're looking forward to having him next Monday night. I'm looking forward to it too. And, um, you know, that's one of those things is uh, I think not only us, but uh, content creators around the, the state and the world uh, are having a hard time coming up with things. But Scott, um, this is why ice time hockey Southwest is growing, man. You just continue to find the content and continue to find the guests. And, um, every week you shouldn't tell me who the guest is. You should just wow me. Cause it's, you know, you, you text me who's coming on and I'm just more and more impressed each week. So, um, yeah, uh, just keep them coming, Scott. I'm having a great time. This is still a great podcast, even though we haven't uh, had a lick of professional hockey in about three weeks. Uh, I call it a warm-up show, Seth. We're just warming up for the uh, the hockey season to start whenever that is. So let's uh, kick things off tonight, end things with uh, a little hello, new day from Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. Seth, be safe. See you next Monday. See you next Monday. Thanks, Scott. <laughs>